0: The Excellence in Education podcast by William Clarence Education, the UK's leading education consultancy. We help families from around the world navigate the UK education system and support the best possible applications for nurseries, schools, and universities. In this podcast series, we will be talking to leading educational figures and advisors to discuss the issues that matter most, helping you fully understand the options and possibilities that may lie ahead. For more information on anything discussed today, and to find out more on how we can help you, please visit our website, williamclarence.com. Welcome to today's Excellence in Education podcast. Um, Today we're joined by Beatrix Woodhead. Um, We're going to be talking all things 11 plus. Beatrix is a specialist entrance exam consultant, advisor and tutor. She has published multiple textbooks on entrance examination and technique and works with clients from all around the world working towards the most selective schools in the UK. Good afternoon Beatrix.
1: Hello, good afternoon.
0: Thanks a lot for joining us. Very busy time of year at the moment um, so I do appreciate your time. Um, let's get started, if that's okay, and dive straight in. Um, could I hand over to you for two minutes to give a rough overview of the entrance landscape into the most competitive schools into the UK? Um, and we'll start going through the 11 plus from that.
1: Yes. So entry into senior schools at 11 plus um, it takes the form of exams in either the autumn term or the spring term of year six. And this exam point can also be used for some schools that are assessing candidates who will join at the beginning of year nine. And this is often a first point of examination for children who are joining their new schools, either in year seven or going through to year nine. The exams at 11 plus normally include maths, English, verbal and nonverbal reasoning in various combinations, as well as interviews either in small groups or one to one with a teacher at the school.
0: Great, okay, thanks. That's, that seems really well. Um, so, do, does every single school use the 11 plus um, exam or are there alternatives?
1: Not every school uses an exam called the 11 plus, but almost all schools will assess children in some format just to get a feel of, firstly, where they are academically, if they would thrive in the school's environment, and also to get a feel for their interests and hobbies in that interview. So almost all schools use some form of assessment, even if it is just for setting purposes once students join them.
0: I see. I think that's where some of the confusion comes from parents, because um, some of it is a standardised approach and then other schools have their own tailored um, assessment. Is there much overlap between those or how similar are they?
1: So grammar schools quite often use a consortium method where children will sit a single exam that will then be put forward to several different schools and results will be made On the basis of a standardized test there. Private and independent sector schools quite often use um, their own version of an 11 plus exam and they quite often have papers that they've written themselves. Um, In London the girls school consortium is a group of independent schools that are now also sitting one single standardized exam the results of which are put forward to as many schools as you'd like to apply from from the group.
0: Understood. Great. Okay. Um, That definitely provides a bit more clarity. Um, So, I think let's move on, if we can, to a bit more about about the preparation. Um, When's the the perfect time just to begin thinking about entry um, and thinking about the preparation process?
1: I think that the optimum time to prepare would be quite early looking maybe year four or earlier five so there's lots of time to start preparing gently and make sure that the children are really understanding thoroughly everything that they've been taught at school I think there's no need to cram last minute because it becomes really stressful it's unnecessary to push children to you know soak up all that information very very last minute and I don't think it's that effective if you've left it later to prepare don't worry at all it's still possible to make a huge difference to scores just by familiarising them with the content of the exam and to helping them get used to sitting exams under time pressure. Even doing some timed papers is so helpful for the children to get in the zone and to get used to things like not wasting time sharpening their pencil and if they put their water bottle on the floor just to leave it and carry on and keep in the zone. So it's about making them feel comfortable in time conditions and boosting any areas that they find tricky in the curriculum.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So you kind of touched on it there, but would you say that an equal proportion of pressure is actually down to exam technique um, as well as actually knowing the content itself? um, How do you manage that balance during your your preparation?
1: I think it's hugely important that the children have great exam technique when they go into the exam hall for these big days because for most of them, it's one of the very first times they'll have been sitting a big exam in a room full of other candidates. um, And so it's quite important that they feel completely at ease particularly for the reasoning exams it's really important that you are well aware of what you're going to be doing because if you've never seen a paper before then a lot of your time will be wasted in working out what you need to do but if you've practiced a few sample papers to begin with and you've sort of felt your way around those questions it means that you'll be really efficient on the day and children will be relaxed
0: great great thanks um so Let's put ourselves into a parents' shoes here. We've got our short list of five to ten schools. Um, how do we begin preparing? Um, and what are the, the key things and checklists that you would recommend?
1: So my number one tip is to do your research and research what's needed for each school's exams and any little nipples, any little nuances that are unique or quirky to one individual school. So, for example, you might want to check if the exams are computerised or if the children need to put their answers and indicate their answers in a special answer book that will be marked by computer. They need to know if they're going to be timed per section of the test or per paper, so that they're used to timing themselves if they need to and working under time pressure if they know they need to move on halfway through an English paper. The children know that they have to get straight onto that creative writing section and not waste any more time than they have to on the comprehension and vice versa. They can't rush through to get to the bit that they like. Make sure that your child knows the format of the exam day so they know if they're going to have a break in the middle, they know where we picked up. All those little details really help to make a, a, um, a strong candidate feel more relaxed on the day. In terms of subject preparation, you also really need to check what the school is going to do. So some schools will ask for English and maths, whereas others also require reasoning. You need to check what type of reasoning is going to be asked for, so that you've done some practice papers. And also, if the creative writing paper is a very long piece of writing, children need to practice that. If it's only a 20-minute short question, then they need to get used to writing something meaningful in a very short space of time.
0: Excellent. Yeah, really good advice there. Um, Drawing on your experience, Beatrix, could... um I ask you to to sort of go through a a rough case study of someone that anyone may have sprung to mind. Um, Someone that's approached you've been very far behind, um, in a bit of a panic, maybe not done the preparation early enough. Um, What kind of results can be expected by the little and often approach and um, rather than cramming? How could you sort of project someone's progress?
1: So I quite often find students who are moving to the independent sector at 11 plus coming from a state primary school find the process a little more daunting because they're not at a feeder school for some of these big independent 11 plus intakes. And I've worked with several students who have made that move very successfully and who've had offers from several brilliant London, highly oversubscribed schools. Um, And I find that the best method is to make sure that they are as confident as possible, Give them those past papers and say, look, this looks tricky, but break it down really gently. Make the process something that is about breaking down any barriers perceived on that exam paper. Um, For example, one of my students who moved from a state primary at 11 plus did little and often, lots of bursts just from the end of year five going into the year six exam season. And the results were absolutely stellar. His improvement was huge. He saw every single week, you saw his scores going up and up and his confidence went up with it. And he's now thriving at his um, highly sought after London day school.
0: Excellent. That's a good result. Um, Let's move on now to some of the materials that people should be looking at to prepare. Um, I know that um, in the internet age, we're awash with as much information as possible. And sometimes that can be very confusing for parents. So apart from your own textbooks, Beatrix, what are the best materials um, that parents should be looking at at the moment?
1: I quite often, when I meet a new family for the first time, I will see the same collection of textbooks on their desk ready to use. And I find that quite often parents find a brand they like and stick with it. But my advice is to use a range. Don't just stick to one publisher, because quite often a publishing house has their own individual take on things, or they might have one writer who's written several books in a series, which is great for practicing while you're building up um, your skills. But actually it's quite helpful to use a wide range of materials so that you don't get bogged down in one single topic or one single take on the papers. Make sure you try a bit of everything. There are lots of widely known publishers who are putting out lots of new materials all the time at the moment. There have been lots of new, exciting publications in the last three years. And I would try to get a big range, dip in and out, um, and zoom in on those tricky topics. So if, for example, your child doesn't like the sequencing questions in nonverbal reasoning you can try them across a whole range of publishers and really work on that one area.
0: So different styles of content and how they're packaging that together.
1: Yes, so the children, if they they're go into the exam and those papers don't quite look how they're expecting them or the printing's a little bit different, they're not thrown by that.
0: Great, yeah, excellent. Um, so what are the most important sections of the exam itself um, and how are they weighted across the papers?
1: So I think... This is something that very much varies by school, but the schools are often looking for students who are reasonably consistent in all areas. They recognise that children are likely to have a preference for either English or maths or verbal or nonverbal reasoning. They're likely to be slightly stronger in a couple of sections. But it's important that you split the time so that you work on the gaps in your knowledge and that you scoop up any um, subjects that aren't quite as strong, to make sure that you balance that preparation and make sure that the children are making the most of the time that they have. It's important to be strong in all areas of the assessment. Um, But one key area actually is the interview, as that's the point at which the teachers can actually get to know the child, find out a bit more about their personality, their interests, their extracurricular activities, and get to know them as a person rather than just a candidate who's completed these papers.
0: Yes, absolutely. Really important point. Do you find that some people do really well on the exam, but then um, there's other areas where they've not prepared as well on the interview side of the assessment that um, doesn't always get the attention that it should do.
1: Quite often I find that um, strong candidates might not have prepared very well for the interview because they are very strong academically, but it's still worth spending a little bit of time going through what types of things the children can bring up in that point of the assessment so I encourage my students to have a mental checklist of their most brilliant achievements to date that they're trying to then drop in seamlessly into the interview when prompted just reminding them that they won that medal in the ballet class or that they performed recently at a concert or that they love rock climbing. That
0: probably that needs medal. a bit of practice as well doesn't it?
1: It does and I think children really benefit from that particularly if they play a sport to a high level um, it's just part of their weekly routine so they might not think about it. But it's something that the interviewer really wants to hear, yep. and it's something that they should definitely bring up. Um, another good option to prepare there is a recent book that the children have read. I suggest that they read a few things that are maybe slightly more ambitious than they'd normally read, or read a few slightly more unusual choices, because for an interviewer, I'm sure hearing 50 children telling you that they've all read the same book, it's not very exciting. Yeah an exciting option. A children's classic like the railway children that you might not have thought of makes a big difference.
0: Great, okay. Um, So I think this probably next section um, strays over into the research side for parents of um, which schools to apply for during the preparation. Anything that parents should be aware of that they should then help their children with? A um, bit of inside track that, from your experience, that is a real uh, nugget of information.
1: I think a key, a key trick here is to go and look at as many schools as you can that you are seriously considering and ask yourself how you see your child fitting in, in that community. If there's a science club at lunchtime that they'd fit into Perfect. If there's debating society, that may flourish in excellent. Then those are the sort of things that you can look for in a school. And finding out about the atmosphere on a tour is something that you can't really replace by just looking at their marketing online, which is often brilliant and shows the school off extremely well. I don't think anything can replicate the atmosphere of going and seeing it yourself. Um, I think in terms of numbers of applications, it's important not to overload children with a vast number of exams because the whole process doesn't need to be stressful. They're quite young children. It's important that they know that they've done brilliantly no matter what the outcome. So make sure that that list has a backup option as well as some realistic choices and some ambitious choices so you have a good spread of applications. Don't just apply to the three most ambitious schools in London because if your child has flu on that exam week, it's going to be quite stressful for everybody.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, good point. Um, Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Beatrix, for your time today and sitting with us to take us through that really um, informative. Um, That's it for today. Next time, we will be going through exam technique uh, for the students and strategies for success on the day. Really look forward to that one. Um, But thank you again, Beatrix.
1: Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening that was the excellence in education podcast by william clarence education for more information on how we can help you or your family or any of the points discussed today along with all the latest news and views on uk education please head to the website at www.williamclarence.com.